0: Uh, We are going to be partaking of the Lord's Supper together in a little bit, communion, and I want to invite those that are guests today that are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ to partake with us. And just a note, touch point this week, that will be at 9 o'clock on Wednesday. I'm actually reading from a letter that I wrote 49 years ago. In July, telling about receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so we'll be doing that. On Wednesday nights, uh, the children's ministry, there's going to be a break now until September. The youth will be meeting on, I believe it's August 10 and 17. Is that correct? Do I have that right? 10 and 17. And then they'll be having a break. But And camp is this week now. Later today it starts that 's at Camp Dellwater, so we 're praying for our young people as they have that, and then also Tim and kathy pomp uh, they'll be leading a worship gathering at Gimmel Church on Friday this Friday at uh, well five thirty is our barbecue and then uh, after that is a worship time so and today we have our own Herb Roman Schinkel, who's going to share a word from the Word for us. And also, Herb, he'll share a little bit about, he's going to be going on a medical mission trip to Zambia uh, this week, also. That's on Friday. And so, hallelujah. And the Lord's anointing is on you to share this message, Herb. To our congregation and and those that are watching online as well, we welcome you today. Let's give them a greeting. Let's give Herb a greeting here.
1: On July 10th, I was here sitting in that corner, and it was the weekend after July 4th. And Abby was on the stage, and she was singing "The Goodness of God." And share this slide. There's this A bridge in there that goes, with my life laid down, I'm surrendered now, I give you everything. And I I just couldn't help but think of the difference. Here we are talking July 4th and our freedom. And yet here we're talking about surrendering our lives in the flesh. And those words are so strong. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now, I give you everything. I mean, it goes so fast and we just zip right through that. But I thought of the enormity of the words. And then the next weekend, Tim Pomp says the same song. And I thought, wow, that's pretty tough. That's a, I, I think it's tough. And so then I thought, "Well, wow, there's some great guys in the Bible who did that. I thought, Daniel, I mean, he's going to lay his life down in the furnace. I thought, Jeremiah, the guy preached 40 years to people who didn't appreciate him so much as family wanted to hurt him, so much that they were throwing him in a cistern to starve him to death. In fact, when he was finally rescued from the sister, cistern, he was put in jail. It wasn't until the Babylonians took over the city that they left him out. So they gave their lives. It's really hard for me to put myself and relate to them. But then I ran across the rubble bowl, And I thought, man, there's a guy I can relate to. And Zerubbabel's claim to fame is not that he was so spiritual-minded and all that. In fact, he led, but he did he was a governor, and I can't relate to that, but he was a governor that led the first wave of Israelites back from Babylon to Israel, about 50,000 people. And when they got there, oh, before we go on that, I um, just want to talk a little bit about the Jewish captivity. Daniel was captured about 605 BC. Shortly after that, in 597, Joachim, the king of Judah, was captured. And that was at the start of the siege of Israel. And 2 Kings talks about that, that he surrendered and all the gifts of the temple, the gold, it was all hauled away. And then, um, and then Babylon was destroyed. And the temple, I'm sorry, Jerusalem was destroyed by Babylon in 586. That was the end of the temple. Then um, 47 years later, Babylon itself was defeated. God had a plan. And then the next guy comes in, Cyrus, the king of Persia. Now you have to understand how the people in Israel or Babylon, the Israelites in Babylon must have been. Because Isaiah prophesied about Cyrus, that he would be his tool. And I got to believe they knew that. And then one year later, Cyrus says, you guys go, go back to Israel and build that temple for me and I'll help pay for it. And so they go. And actually they get there and then the temple stalls after a year. But then Haggai and Zechariah come, and after 23 years, the temple's finally built. And um, 57 years later, so we're talking 458 BC, Ezra comes along. He's bringing the second, third wave of people. And so we're going to talk about what Ezra said. And keep in mind, he's writing this from historical perspective, but not that far back. And so it starts with Ezra 3:1 and 2. When the seventh month came, and the children of Israel were in their towns, the people gathered as one man in Jerusalem. Then arose Jeshua, the son of Jazadak, with all his priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel with his kinsmen, and they built, built the altar of God of Israel to offer burnt offerings, as it is written. 3.3 three. They set the altar in its place, for fear was on them because of the people of the lands. And they offered burnt offerings to the Lord. So here they they got back. They went back to their homestead because not everybody could be in Jerusalem. They had to do some farm. And yet they all came back together to build build the altar because they wanted the protection of God on their hearts, in their lives. And what amazed me even more, the next verse, 3-4, And they kept the Feast of Booths as is written and offered daily burnt offerings by the number according to the rule as each day required. You know, the Feast of Booths is seven days. And some of these people had days to walk to get there. They were so committed besides the altar. They spent a week and a half, two weeks, celebrating the Feast of Booths. But then came the second year. The house of God the second month, there was Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtel, and Joshua, the son of Jezebac, made a beginning together with the rest of the kinsmen and the priests and the Levites, all who had come to Jerusalem from captivity. They appointed the Levites from 20 years older upward to supervise the work of the temple, of the house of God. So they got the altar built. They're ready to roll. They're going to start that foundation. Four one. Now the adversaries... Of Judah and Benjamin heard the return of the exiles were building a temple of the Lord God. For two, they approached Zerubbabel, the heads of the father of the houses, and said to them, "Let us build with you, for we worship your God as you do. We have been sacrificing to him ever since the days of Ishsharhadon, king of Assyria, who brought us here." And I was really struck by Zerubbabel's response. There was no wavering in him at all. But Zerubbabel rushed and Jeshua and the rest of the heads of the father's house and Israel said to them you have nothing to do with us with building the house of our God but we alone will build to the Lord the God of Israel and kings as King Cyrus the king of Persia has commanded they had the, the law behind him they had the people all motivated for God and then the next verse just struck me I can't believe it then the people of the land three four the very next verse discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build. How long did this go? It goes on to 4 or 5, the next verse says, and bribe the counselors to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus the king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius of Persia. If you do the math, do look at it, that's that there around 15 years that they didn't do anything to that temple. So what finally initiates the temple? Ezra 5, 1 writes down, now the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Edo, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of God of Israel who was over them. 5-2. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtel and Jeshua, son of Jezodak, arose and began to rebuild the house of God that is in Jerusalem. So basically, Haggai came, and he says, You guys got to get going on this. And Haggai 1-12-15 Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtel, and Joshua, the son of Jehazadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet that their Lord their God had sent them. And the people feared the Lord. You see how the shift has focused? First, they feared the people. So they're going to go to God, built that altar. Then They feared the people again, so they quit working on it. And this last time, they feared God and put him first and went after that altar. Haggai 1.13, then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. 14, and the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehazadak, and the high priest, and the spirit of the remnant of the people, And they came and worked on the house, the Lord of hosts, their God. So there's, I looked through that story. I mean, I read the different books and I was just kind of amazed. And I I came up with six lessons to learn, six points, but two life lessons that, you know, what's going to, about this message that changed my life? The first is when we focus, the first point, when we focus, change our focus from God to man, our lives become out of focus. Look how they change. They started out fearing God, but their focus was on man and what they do. And I think we see that today with cancel culture. There is so much a fear of what people do. You know how the people discourage them and stuff? They're worried about the people. It's the same with us and with cancel culture in this country. We keep our mouths quiet at times because we're afraid of the people. Just on Friday, there is a... I get her name... Jolene Daniels, she is a professional soccer player for North Carolina. She was refused the opportunity to play. She's on the team because she would not wear the LGBT jersey on Friday because that was the celebration. But she feared God more than she feared the teammate or her coach. The second point is we need to hold on to our integrity. Just as the Timons are the counselors... The own people of Israel, they took bribes and, and it caused them for the temple to stall. The church in general has done the same thing in many aspects of our theology. We've sat there for our comfort, either from the government or people. We've mod- modified our theology in the last 50, to 100 years where this is okay. And we do it, and whether we get more offerings coming in or we get acceptance, but, we, but there's churches who haven't held their integrity because they wanted what the world has to offer versus what God's message was. The third point, the status quo. It may seem popular and easy, but that's not what God wants from us. Whenever I read the Bible, I try to picture myself in there, and I thought it was rubbable. He's the governor of the land. Fifteen years, they didn't do anything. As a governor, he probably has a pretty important spot in the city, and the temple's in this middle. He walked... Past that temple over 5,000 times, probably. I read on the internet that it, you can take it for what it's worth, but on average, a habit's built in 66 days. Well, he- book clearly built a habit of just ignoring the temple. 15 years, 5,000 times, he probably walked past that and just let it sit. And how does he finally get going? Haggai 1 1 records it. Haggai just gives him a verbal lashing. Actually, Haggai 1 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people. Say the time is not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of God came by the hand of Hagai the prophet. The time for yourselves to dwell in your paneled homes, houses, while the house while this house lies in ruins. Now therefore, says the Lord, verse five and six, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You have eaten, but you had never had enough. You drink, but you have never had your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm, and he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag of holes seven thus consider the lord of hosts consider your ways go up to the hills bring the wood and bring the house and build the house that i may take pleasure in it and i may be glorified the status quo in our lives may not be what god wants just because we've been doing it for a year or two or three we need to examine is there anything in our life that's just become normal to us and it really isn't what god wants from us my fourth point, your legacy, your family, your, even your most recent history does not define you, but your obedience to God is what ultimately defines you. I thought it was rub-able. The guy means, the name means sown in, in Babylon. But his name has Babylon, that history, all on him. And then I looked at Second Kings 24, 8. Jehoiakim was reigning in Judah, Jokin was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned for three months. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all his father had done. And I thought of that, I said, wow. This guy, he's got his name associated with Babylon. His grandfather, that was his grandfather, Shieltel was his father, Joachin was actually his grandfather, was associated with the t- loss of all the temple artifacts. In fact, it is recorded that he was evil in the way of the Lord and yet Zerubbabel just shakes it all off he gets committed to obey and that's what he does so your legacy in your recent history even if you screwed up doesn't define you what defines you is your obedience to God and the fifth point we should not think that our strength to serve God comes from ourselves Haggai 1 13-15 then Haggai the message of the Lord spoke to the people with the Lord's message I am with you declares the Lord and the Lord stirred up Jehoazadakh, the high priest. Oh, I'm sorry, the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtel, the governor of Judah, the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehazadakh, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month of the second year of Darius. The key point is it wasn't the prophets who stirred up the people. It clearly says it was a Lord who stirred up the people. So it's not us. If we do something, and it's great, don't think it's we're doing it. It's the Lord working in us. Remember, God's in control. If you aren't going to obey him, you'll find somebody else. I think of um, Luke, I believe, 1914, where he's coming into the town, and people tell him to be quiet, and he says, even the rocks will sing out. The rocks cannot keep quiet. And that's my last point, and then my two lessons. It's not what man approves, but what God approves that matter. Haggai 2:21 through 23, speak to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, saying, I'm about to shake the heavens and the earth and overthrow the, kingdom, the thrones of kingdoms. I'm about to destroy the strengths of the kingdoms of the nations and overthrow the chariots and their riders and the horses and the riders shall go down, every one by the sword of his brother." 23, on that day declares the Lord of hosts I will take you, O Zerubbabel my servant, the son of Shealtel declares the Lord and make you like a signet ring for I have chosen you, declares the Lord God restores Zerubbabel Zerubbabel screwed up he let, he let his own words or his own worries come into effect but God restores him. that signet ring that means ownership God was saying Zerubbabel at least in the spirit I own you And that ring also means authority. You have authority, Zerubbabel. You're mine. And I find it interesting that Zerubbabel is mentioned both in Matthew and in Luke in geology that they list there. there. So I thought about these points. I said, well, okay, they're valid points. So how is that going to change my life? Or how should it change my life? And I came up with two life lessons. And these these are mine. You may have other ones. But the first one is gratitude. How blessed we are, we who believe in Jesus Christ and obey, that we can rely on God to store up our spirit. We really don't need to rely on prophets. For he lives in us. I mean, the verse I read, Haggai 1.14, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel. And if you look at that, and you can't tell always from you know the slide because they're all uppercase but he's not talking about the Holy Spirit he's just talking about that inner zeal and I'm sitting there man we are a little whole deal different these prophets could never imagine this we who have the Holy Spirit in us we have that spirit stirring up we have the living God living in us and stirring in us and I just couldn't believe the gratitude the difference how fortunate we are countless times I walked into a room and you could feel the presence or you're talking to somebody, you can feel the presence. And that's a gift. When you're worshiping at times, I can feel the presence. It's just bubbling. How blessed are we? We don't have to. I'm not saying we shouldn't listen to prophets. I'm just saying we have the living God in us. And um, it's a constant presence. It's our, it's our um, down payment for what's to come. We are so blessed and fortunate. You know, I wanted the Holy Spirit in my life for a long time, and it, I Didn't have, at least, not as much as I wanted. Then one day I read a quote by F.B. Meyer. God does not fill with the Holy Spirit those who believe in the fullness of the Spirit, those who desire Him, but those who obey Him. And if you look at it, it's very similar in Acts 5.32. God gives the Spirit to those who obey. So it's not like He's taking anything out of context. But I remember when the first time I read that, was like, yeah, that's it. We're like a teacup, God doesn't want poor spirit in us if we're dirty, so we need to obey. Joyce talked on July 4th that weekend about how the signers of the Declaration obeyed, and they signed that they put their lives on the line by signing that Declaration. So we too, we have to obey if we want that spirit in us. John 4:23, Jesus answered him, "If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him." That's pretty amazing. Ephesians, in him you are being built up into a dwelling place of God by the Spirit. That's my whole point, just gratitude, that the God lives in us. We've got to always remember that. We've got to cherish that. And the second main point is we can all fall. I looked at the zeal that Zerubbabel started with, and yet after 15 years, for 15 years, he put man before God, for me, I know a week, a week, I'm weak at times, and there's a, in the media section, there's a notebook piece of paper, if you could show that. I think we'll be done with the slides. I made this on my first trip to Africa, and I probably shared it before, but so just bear with me. Anything, anytime, any, anywhere, anytime, at any cost, and I signed it on my first trip to Africa almost 12 years ago. And I carried that in my billfold. Anytime, you know, I was reaching in for money that was there. And, you know, you can see it got a little tattered over time. And so after a while, I scanned it. And that's my phone background now. That's been my phone background for years. How many times do we look at our phone in a day? And I want to tell you, I don't say this in proud that I'm so good that this is what I do. I say it as I know I'm weak and I need a crutch. It is so easy to forget these commitments we've made to God, it's so easy to just, oh, I don't need to do this. So that's what I put on my phone. And, um, you know, that's, that's what I need. Because I know I can find out reasons not to go to Zambia next week. I think of any time, this is a good time of year to be here. I had a beautiful day yesterday, yet I leave my whole summer vacation is going to be in Zambia. Any cost, it's, it's not going to be cheap to go. We have put on a clinic we'll talk about later. Anywhere in Zambia, I have to fly to Chicago, get a hotel, and then take a 14-hour flight to Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, and then another flight down to Zambia. My flight back is either worse, even worse through Dublin, and anything. My vacation is my week, my family, but I'm giving it. And I'll be honest, the first trip that I went with GHO, I just got back, that's the group I'm going with, Global Health Outreach. The first trip I went, I went to Malawi in March or so of that year. As myself, I met this pastor, and it was a grueling trip. I spoke nine tur- churches in 11 days. I was just exhausted when I got back. I was led back less than two months, and my boss, who who's actually gone on these trips before, which is really quite amazing, said they need a pharmacist in Kenya. He's like, oh, I don't want to go. I just got back. And fortunately, they were going to a pastor's town that I knew, Nakuru, So, say I went. And I, this is going to be my sixth trip with them. So um, anyway, that's my crutch, and you know I think about this. I almost think I'd rather be weak and know it, and walk with my crutch, rather to be strong, and not know my weaknesses and fall. Um, I, I can fall enough, so I'll, I'll take my crutch when I can. But oddly enough, we talk about the day I made this. I remember signing it. It was a ne- I came back from that trip, that first trip to Africa, and I got Guimbre. I couldn't, the, next, the, day, the day I got back, I got up the next day, I could hardly walk. By the two days, three days, I was actually in Fargo's ICU, um, receiving IVIGs, immune globulin therapy. To, my body was destroying my nerves. And it's like, why would I go back? But I'll be honest, between that first year and the second year, that's when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, spoken tongues. That second year back is a horrible trip. Life doesn't make it perfect by any means. I remember sitting in the back, what am I doing? Why am I here? Because I was hungry, thirsty, tired, you name it. And all of a sudden I felt that spirit upon me. And, and that was like, oh. And the joy, it was just joy. There's no more pain, nothing. And I just thought, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. And to me it was so strong that whole night I could hardly eat. Because it was just joy. And the next day it was there. And now I recognize that spirit. So... We got to just examine our lives, look where we're weak and figure out how we can be strong. Just a little bit about um, our trip. Oh, I got one more slide. You have uh, Galatians 2:20. it's on the media file. I thought of this: "I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me." You see the parallel with that song we sing? With my life laid down, I surrender now, I give you everything. My life laid down, I'm being crucified with Christ. I'm surrendered now. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in, in me. And I give you everything. That's our lives. We give to Christ. He gave. In the end of the verse in Galatians, it says, Who loved me and gave himself for me. Now it's my turn to give myself to God, to give myself. So just a little bit about the trip. First and foremost, foremost, I made a commitment never to do a mission trip unless the gospel was our first and foremost thing. I remember I, didn't, I was looking for an excuse not to go, and I called the team leader, and I said, you know, I've been on mission trips. I'm not building a library or anything like that. It's got to be the gospel. And she said, every person who's there hears the gospel, and it's prayed with. We just have the medical thing to bring him in. So, okay. So, and believe it or not, there's 22 people going. There's doctors, dentists, nurses, pharmacists. The team leader is actually a pharmacist, and I signed up. There was another pharmacist who was supposed to go, but they dropped out. So it'll be pretty short on pharmacy, so I'll be busy. And then if we just show the pictures, there's some pictures. This is a church, um, or was a church, whether they changed it, it's been a couple years since I've been there. This trip is considered an orphanage outreach. Zambia has been devastated with HIV. AIDS. and the next picture and these are the orphans and every day we go out, the bus goes out and brings them just as much as, as they can carry and you know there's not like the rules in the US, if you can squeeze somebody in the bus, they're in the bus and they come to the compound where we're at next page or next picture and every one of those children there's me actually taking somebody from the bus to the church, every one of those children will see a dentist and a provider he told the gospel Likely given a toothbrush. Um, Many haven't had them before. Next page, next image. And there it's, um, when I went last time, there's an extra pharmacist, there's another pharmacist. So I was able to spend time with the kids. And we go through the Cube, And everybody hears the gospel. And what I was not prepared for, and I took a class with your dad, Jim, uh, Jehovah Witness. There's so many Jehovah Witnesses there. Just profound. And so that'll be interesting. We have a general hygienist. That's a gentleman who's cleaning teeth. Power is sporadic, but we have generators and some of the equipment can run with that. Next slide. That's how we sterilize because you can't count on the power. Sterilize instruments. Next. Now, this is a pharmacy joke, but if you look at that, that's paracetamol or acetaminophen. But notice the trade name they gave it, cure all. get it, cure them all. That's the name of the drug. I just thought I threw a little pharmacy humor in there, so pretty clever. Next slide. You know, we, they don't have the whole systems like we do. That was somebody's wheelchair. I thought it was rather innovative, just taking one of those plastic chairs and retrofitting on an axle. Next one. This is one of our dental hygienists. It's kind of a Nogali-type deal with corn. I, I think it's acquired taste. I'm not quite there, but just helping making our lunch one day. Next one. Or is that it? Oh, they love, t- every time I've been there, they love to look at your hands, arms, and feel them. You know, they don't generally have hair on their arms. And when they see me, as like a bear. And they just want to come and feel it. Can I feel your arms? I have pictures of the Messiah, too. Can I feel your arms? You, you know, they just, they just are blown away by as much hair we have on our arms. <laughs> Next picture. I think this is the last one. Just how desperate the people are. We'd have the orphans come in, then we'd let some of the community. There's so many pushing people to get through that. By the end of our trip last time, the bolts were coming out of the walls. The gate was shot, it had to be replaced. We, we were actually supposed to go to a different spot, but we just couldn't due to safety concerns because we we'd been just inundated with people. We needed a, a way to keep ourselves secure, So that gate had to be replaced. And I think the last, there's a video, and you gotta pay attention, it's only 30 seconds the time lapse that one of the dentists took of just kind of the day at one of these places they're brutal grueling days but they're quite good you can play that just 30 seconds that's a triage or no yeah triaging there that's a dental area more dental, there's a dentist who took these. Waiting to see a provider. More providers. And that's what we see, patient after patient. We'll see hundreds of patients a day. And there's a little VBS that we raise. The kids are kept there all day. Not only do you see the doctor, they also have a VBS program while we're there. So I really appreciate if you'd pray with me. It's a big undertaking, it's exhausting but I know God can be glorified. So thank you for your time. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to you.
0: We're going to be praying for Herb here in just a minute, a few minutes. But first, we're going to have communion. And there are communion elements there in the chairs before you. Herb, you might have to get it from behind you there. <clears throat> I thought it was interesting. Herb had shared with me what he was going to talk about today. with the rubble and then the rebuilding of the temple and so forth. And, um, if you go in Ezra chapter 6 verse 19 it says and this won't be on the screen around the wall. It says, And the descendants of the kept- captivity, and this was after they had built the temple, they kept the Passover on the fourteenth day of the first month, for the priests and the Levites had purified themselves. All of them were ritually clean, and they slaughtered the Passover lambs for all the descendants of the captivity for their brethren and the priests, and for themselves. Then the children of Israel, who had returned from the captivity, ate together with all who had separated themselves from the filth of the nations of the land in order to seek the Lord God of Israel. And they kept the Feast of Unleavened Bread seven days with joy, for the Lord had made them joyful. And turn the hearts of the king of Assyria toward them to strengthen their hands in work in the work of the house of God of Israel. And so Zerubbabel obeyed. He listened, and they took heed. They went through a lot of stuff. But the temple was rebuilt, and they had the Passover, And they were, whether they knew it or not, maybe some in their spirit might have, they were pointing to the day when the Passover lamb would come. That's what all this was about. That's what it was all about. And God has used many different kinds of people through the ages that will listen to him. And this is another day. Are we going to listen to him and do our part in our lifetime, in our life walk? Herb was talking about life lessons that he heard and he learned, and he's walking by. Well, they did it, and they were proclaiming the Lord's death until he would come. And as we partake of the communion today, the Lord's Supper, we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he come again. It's a proclamation before the heavens and the earth, and we are here together, and we're believers, and that's why we're doing this, because we believe And when we partake of this meal together that Jesus instituted on the Passover, we're just following right in line with it, and we're bringing that proclamation, not just in the natural realm, but in the spirit realm. We are declaring it. This day, in this place, wherever we are, wherever we may be, I was telling Joyce, I really like that new song, Julie, (laughs) today. You know, wherever, wherever, what is that one line? Wherever we are living, wherever we are living, wherever we are living. So Jesus was the Passover lamb that came. And we are the proclaimers of what he has done. And we get to do that together again today. So let's get or elements. Yeah, why don't you do that? It's pretty simple, I guess. There's two little flaps there. The top flap, you gotta snap it back first and then peel the first layer. The bread, and then Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And Lord, we receive wholeness. We believe for your wholeness in these vessels. Everyone here in this room and those watching online, you can get your elements as well if you didn't already. We receive this by faith, and we receive wholeness in our bodies. Your body was broken that ours may be whole, and by faith we receive that now. Let's partake of it. Oh, I see my Bible is open to this passage. This is 1 Corinthians 11, I'll just read it. For I received from the Lord that which is also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread and we had given thanks. He broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it to remember in remembrance of me. For, Jesus said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Hallelujah. So Lord, we're proclaiming that you died for us That we might have life. And the remission of sins, the deleting of sins, the total removal, not just covering, but total removing of all sin in the past. In Jesus' name, let's partake. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, we're so thankful, and we do proclaim your death. We proclaim your life in us, because we know that, like Herb was saying, you are dwelling right within us right now. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask Gus and Jill, would you come up here right now, and Herb, let's have you stand here. We're going to pray over him for this trip. Let's have everybody can stand, if you, you know, if you can. I'll tell you what, let's put it, yeah. If you have to leave for some reason, be free to go. But otherwise, stay and we're going to pray. Um, I think did I see Abraham here? Where are you, Abraham? We'll pray. Let's pray for Abraham too. Abra- why do not you come up here, Abraham? Errol, Errol, Errol Meyer. Is that right? Errol Meyer. I'm I'm getting it. Uh, Abraham is going to Georgia, but not Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> it's the Georgia across the sea, and he's going to be ministering there, only he's going to be long-term. And so we'll cover him in prayer as well. But anyone that can stay, uh, please stay, and please be free to come up. And I'm going to take just a moment. Why don't you come up a little closer? If you need to leave, be free to go. That's fine, but somebody be brave and just start walking up closer around here, okay? Like that. Like one step, another. That's good. You folks over there, just come up around in the back. I'm just doing what I'm seeing here, the Lord directing, so. Hallelujah. But again, if you need to leave at this point, be free to do that too. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, see. Um, Gus, I'm going to have you pray for Herb.
2: Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Lord, we just lift up Herb. And we just thank you, Lord, that your hand is on him as he goes. That the hand of the Lord would just come on him as he ministers to those people in that country. Father, we just thank you for your spirit, oh, that would flow through him as he ministers, as he touches people, as he speaks your word, as he prays for those people. We just thank you that it's your spirit that is being poured out through Herb. That resurrection power of the blood of Jesus is manifest, Father. Oh, we just thank you, Lord, that it's not heard, they see, but it's Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. For the power of your spirit, they will come on Herb as he goes and as he ministers. And we send him forth now. We send him forth with our prayers. We just thank you, Lord, that the angels of the Lord encamp about him as he ministers. As he goes, as he travels, that he is led by your Spirit in everything he does and every word he speaks, that those words are anointed by the power of your Spirit. Well, we just thank you for that, Lord. <laughs> So we send you forth in Jesus' name in the power of the Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.
3: Thank you, Lord. You told uh, your followers to pray to the Lord of the harvest uh, to send out laborers into his harvest field. And so, Father, we thank you for Abraham as an answer to that prayer. We thank you, Lord, for his heart that has said yes. We thank you for those that have come together around him to send him out into this harvest. Father, we thank you for the open door in the, the country that he's going to in Georgia, Father, thank you that, uh, that he can enter there as a messenger. And Father, we ask that you would uh, fill him with your Holy Spirit, fill him with joy. Lord, fill him with the fullness of everything that you have for him at this step in his life. Father, we're asking that you will, um, that you will give him language ability, acquisition, that he'll be able to to clearly share uh, the love of Jesus and the message of the cross in the heart language of the people he's going to. We thank you, Father, for the the preparation that you've given him, the deposit that you've already placed in him. Thank you for uh, the seed that you've given him to carry as someone who is going to plant seeds of the gospel. So, Lord, with eyes of faith right now, we just see him equipped with, uh, with all the seed that he needs that comes from your spirit, from the word. And, Lord, would you open the way for him to plant these seeds of the gospel that will grow, uh, that we would see many, many Georgians, many Azerbaijanis in your kingdom, many Iranians, many of uh, other people who live in that land. Thank you, Lord, that they can even open the door to people in nearby countries uh, with closed borders. Father, we're asking that the light and the life of Jesus would go with him, go ahead of him, surround him, and uh, may your light be on his face as he is able to share the life of Christ in Jesus' name. We send him forth. Yes. Amen.
0: Okay, we'll be dismissing in the service here now, but, um, you know, Abraham here, if, if any of you would be quickened to just to talk to him more about what he's doing or possibly have an interest in helping with prayer support or financial support could do that, but also uh, with Herb, if you'd want to give an offering, again, on our envelopes, just indicate it for Herb. Uh, Or it could be for Abraham, too. Just put Abraham, Abraham's enough, we'll give it to him. (laughs) Herb's enough, too. Brom and isn't the easiest one, either, either, handle either, I guess. Hallelujah. It's good to send them forth, isn't it, to proclaim some more. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. If anybody wants prayer, just be free to come too.